Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Courtney J joins us for this episode of Wheels Off. She is a recording artist and a really spiritual introspective, brilliant musician, songwriter, artist. She's somebody I really admire. I've known her, as we'll figure out at the end of this interview when we go back through the dates, for almost two decades. I've gotten to watch her career from afar, and I just think the world of her. And I'm really grateful that she joined me this week. She and I at one point are... uh, Stopped down by my trying to remember a Kurt Vonnegut quote, which I promised to insert into the introduction of the episode, and I will do so now. We were talking about, you know what, I can't even figure out, I can't even remember what we were discussing now. But the Kurt Vonnegut quote is, unexpected travel suggestions are dancing lessons from God. I love that. Oh, it's so good. Of course, I butcher it as you'll hear uh, towards the end of this interview. But Courtney was kind enough to play along. And I think there's a lot in here. There's Her perspective is really cool. She has moved around a lot. She's experienced a lot of different facets of the music industry, ups and downs. She's pretty candid in here about her, you know, her own struggles with, you know, this weird life. Not just the industry, but the life. You know, it's a tricky thing. And so I'm really glad I got to spend this time with Courtney J. So please welcome to Wheels Off, Courtney J. Welcome to Wheels Off, Courtney J. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Brett. How's it going? It's so good. Um, Okay, for the edification of our listening audience, from where are you joining us? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that home now for you? It's one of many homes. (laughs) I'm kind of doing a a very nomadic existence right now. I've got some, I've got a hub in Los Angeles. I've got a hub in Hawaii. I've got family in Atlanta. And then I've got my friends and community here in Nashville. Boy, that Hawaii element is pretty incredible. I've been on the island of Kauai before, and what a just brilliant move by you. Oh, man. I'm happy that I I did it. You know, it was one of those things that was before the pandemic. So uh, I look back like, okay, that was a really, (laughs) that was a a, a wise move. Uh, So, but it was, it was wild. It was amazing. That's so cool. So, um, what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? 
I just released a record in May called Hymns and How Hallucinations. And uh, it's really just like the embodiment of 20 years of being uh, on a type of healing journey and in the music business. And it just sort of encapsulates a lot of my feelings about spirituality. Um, I, I, I call it spiritual music for weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I made a film to go along with that over on Kauai uh, last summer. And it's, so it's like a full length album visual. And um, I, it just was such a labor of love and something that I just, I sunk so much of myself into and it just came out in May. And so now I'm just still immersed in the songs and just starting to play them out live. And it's just been uh just an incredible sort of process for me because I took a long break, you know, off for music uh, starting in 2019 when I went to Hawaii. And uh, so, you know, it just, it's a nice sort of re-entry back into, into music. I, I really love Hymns and Hallucinations and it's a really ambitious album. I, I recently played it for, my 18 year old son who's himself a very spiritual kid and and oh, likes, nice. a, likes, likes a broad range of music but he turned to me a few songs and he's like dad what is this this is incredible and i'm like oh. i know i feel like you nailed it i feel like you should be really proud of this record thank you so much thank you um you know it's really kind of just the thing for me with music is is it fun and am I doing something that is, am I taking a risk? Am I pushing myself? Am I doing something that otherwise might scare me? And I like that, you know, for this stage of, of my life. And, you know, it's, it's, it is ambitious and, you know, either people totally get it or maybe they don't, but that's okay. You know, it's, uh, it's been something that has come from like the deepest part of my being. And I can't, you know, I love making records. I love writing songs, but this one, it is just a little different for me. I feel like that's such a rewarding way to approach any artistic project, right? The challenging, being scared. It's it's, it's almost like it's the opposite of trying to do the thing that's going to make you money or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I look back at my trajectory, I think, uh, in my career the last 20 years, and I can have, I can definitely see moments where it's like, oh, wow, like people were telling you to go one way to make money and to do whatever. And you went the polar opposite direction, you know? I don't know if that's part of just like a rebellious sort of spirit that I have that might, you know, kind of come into to play with that. But there is something to that where it's like, no, that's not fun. Like who wants like, great, like money's nice, but it's like, it's not, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and I want to sleep well and, and know that I'm fulfilled and, and all the sort of creative ways. Boy, it's funny too. One of the things that keeps coming up in, in these conversations that I have with folks is that when you do 
try to do something calculated to, you know, cash in, inevitably that's the thing that just, you know, stinks of desperation. Of course. I mean, it just doesn't, at least I feel like for myself, I can tell, you know, at this point, because I think my first record, it wasn't, my first record was like a really poppy kind of uh, major label, sort of one of the last, like, you know, where they just sunk so much money into this project. And I listened to it and it's just like, wow. Like, I don't know where I am in that, you know? And so it's been such a rewarding and fun and lovely process to, to find myself from that point to reaching, you know, to, to now, you know, to see the evolution, which I think is, is, is why we do it, you know, just hope that we kind of evolve and get better and, and just still enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, if we had wanted security, we could have picked any number of other professions. Yes, totally, totally. So for you, um, do you remember when it started? Do you remember when you first wanted to be a musician? Do you remember, was there an epiphany moment? There were a couple. Um, my The first time, the first tape I got... <laughs> Uh, a cassette tape I got was a Whitney Houston record. I think it was Whitney. The record is called Whitney. Uh, her first record. And my grandmother bought it for me. She bought me this little pink boom box. I think I was, I don't know, six or something. And uh, I just knew. I just heard these songs and I just started singing with them. And I just knew that that that's, that's what I wanted to do. And then I saw Bruce Springsteen on the Born in the USA tour, probably not long after that, uh, the same, around the same time. And I was very young. And uh, my parents took me to this concert and I saw this man on stage, you know, kind of, it was like a sermon. And I was very young and I was looking around and he was saying some inappropriate things, you know, like it was not like, he was talking about Adam and Eve, I'll never forget it. And it was just him with the spotlight and he was getting really graphic. And I just was looking around like, I don't know what is happening right now, but like whatever he's doing, I have to do that. Like it was life changing. Yeah. And then I heard the Grateful Dead and Neil Young and then that all sort of took off from there. Oh my God, I love that. Were there were there early do you remember like your first gigs? Yes, I do. Um, how old were you? I would say I did some things when I was eighteen, I moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, and I thought I was going to go to college and it didn't happen. I decided to, you know, kind of really pursue music. So I started a band. Um, I had a shaved head. It was like my Ani DiFranco phase. And we started playing around in like the breweries of Flagstaff in Sedona, Arizona. And uh, that's sort of the first, my first like band experience from that point it was it, the band was called mama lay <laughs> <laughs> and, and i just you know it was it was fun because i was playing music but it also sucked because you know i was underage and everybody knew i was underage so i couldn't actually go to the bars i had to just like 
go and perform and leave. So but, uh, it was a fun era. And then one of my first like major solo shows was uh, not long after that, when I was about 20, I was at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, Georgia, yep. uh, opening up for John Mayer. And um, it was a really crazy experience. Um, I had this guitar player. I don't think I've ever told this story. I had a, a guitar player who <laughs> was a total character, um, to say the least. And he showed up to the gig not having slept all weekend because he had been on ecstasy or had been on drugs of some sort. Oh, and, I, and I was like, what? is happening and it proceeded to be uh one of those shows i i I hope to just erase from my my (laughs) mind but it was it was hilarious it's hilarious to think about now and eddie's attic for you listeners is not a big room so john mayer must obviously have been very much on the way up but probably kind of big yeah no it was like his like big showcase it was, he was doing like a big showcase for a bunch of labels. I don't think he had been signed yet, but I mean, the room was packed and I was just like, Oh my God, I've got this, like this dude next to me is just a train wreck. It was, mm. it was, it's hilarious. It's so funny, right? Cause our job so often finds us um, experiencing the joy of like um, collaboration, right. And depending and the friendship that comes from playing music together. But the flip side of that is that we are often dependent on other people. Absolutely. I mean, and I think that was a very, um, that experience was like, oh, I don't ever really want to have to depend on anyone to to play a gig with me ever. (laughs) Yeah, you learn those lessons quick. So I I love that you are as outspoken as you are about your feelings and beliefs um, in terms of politics and social issues and even, you know, mental health stuff. I feel like I, I really admire that about you. You know, I feel like the the destigmatization of, of all these things is um is so important and and i wonder for you when you run into the internally generated obstacles um the stuff that that in your brain that tries to keep you from being the best version of yourself writing the song that you want to write or having the great moment on the stage um but internal not your guitar player you know coming down three days of ecstasy but i wonder when you come up against that internally generated stuff what have you figured out as far as the way to get through that I think uh, I started therapy when I was in my 20s. And uh, I think I learned tools that I utilize still today um, whenever I'm sort of feeling like I think I know now um, very quickly, like when something's going on with me and I usually have to sort of just disconnect from, you know, my surroundings for a second and just really allow myself the space to kind of check in and feel what is happening. Um, Because I know that there's been a lot of times that I just haven't given myself that space. And then it, you know, it manifests, you know, my frustration or my, my inner sort of turmoil manifests itself in other ways. 
Um, so I think at this point, I really, uh, I know now to just stop and, and check in and just give myself, you know, the, the grace and the, the compassion that I need, you know, because no one else is going to give it to me but me, you know. So um, in those moments, you know, I, I, and I have them often, you know, um, that's just something that, and obviously, like, I, I do, I think talking to somebody is, uh, is, it's, there's nothing, there's something, it's very beautiful, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that um, I try to just, you know, talk to friends about, you know, if your thumbs going on with you, like, go talk to someone because you're just going to feel better. So that's probably my, my go-to. It's funny. I love that you, I love that you point out just the idea of talking to friends, a therapist, that helped me a lot in the last few years at one point said, um, what about your friends in real life? And I was like, oh, I didn't even thought about that. And I, you know, cause I, I live in a place where I didn't grow up. And, and so I, it made me focus on the idea of like, you're saying reaching, figuring out that you have friends that you re can reach out to or sit down with and talk to. And it, it talk therapy is great too, but even just the friendship that you're describing. Absolutely. I mean, and I think too, I'm definitely the type of person that uh, hmm, I don't really, if I reach out to someone, it, it usually, and I'm, you know, I need them if I'm doing that, you know, and they know that, you know, so that's kind of the beauty I think of, of, of having that type of, of connection with people. When you describe the kind of nomadic life that you're living these days, bouncing from town to town, island to island, whatever, I um, to me that sounds terrifying. And I wonder, to you, does it feel like something that is as brave as it sounds like it is to me? Does it feel like what you're doing is this really kind of cool, brave thing? How do you do it? How do you do it, Courtney? Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I am 44 years old. I am not married. I don't have children. Um, that's not sort of like a conscious decision. It's, those are not things that, you know, I've, I have not said I do not want that in my life, but it's just where I found myself. And at a certain point, I just, I, I thought to myself, okay, so... Like, what do you want your life to look like? You know, in terms of like, you, you're, you're not, you don't, you're not sort of relying on anyone else. What do you want your, your life to look like? And so um, I like the, um, I need different surroundings. I need my days to be different. I, I just, that's something I've learned about, you know, sort of what makes me, what inspires me. Um, and so uh, it's, and I'm also just used to being very nomadic too. I've just lived in a lot of places and just that's, it's very like normal to me and obviously traveling with music. And, um, so, you know, I think it was really just like, what do you want your life to look like? And it was like, well, I want to be where, you know, in a place that I love a lot and that I have a, a very major connection to, but it is like very removed from music. And I never really gave myself in the last 20 years the freedom to do that. 
You know, it's always been I've moved somewhere for my career. Um, my career has sort of just been dictating, you know, what where I go and what I do. So um, that's kind of just the, the reasoning behind that. And I just kind of wanted to, to do something that everyone would say, like, you know, like, why are you doing that? It's, it's like I'm doing it because it makes me happy. <laughs> I love the I love the element of sort of ownership. You know, you say like and the the intentionality of the way you describe it. I think that's so great. You're not sort of letting the 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 winds of fate buffet you about. You're just, you know describing your own course. Yeah, and I think that you know at a certain point uh, we forget that we're capable of that. You know, we sort of sort of submit to you know what's going on as opposed to saying, okay, maybe I'm not happy here, uh, which I wasn't. You know, uh, I lived in Nashville for uh, close to a decade. And towards the end of that, you know, that was a time, a really difficult time in my life where just everything personally, professionally, uh, my health, it was just reaching a point where I just said, I, okay, wow, I'm, I need to make a change for my health and my, my mental state. And, and uh, I'm not powerless. Like I don't have to necessarily stay here and, um, and so that's kind of the impetus for that kind of thing. You know, you just sort of go, okay, I, I, if, if this is not, this is not where I want to be, or this is not going in the direction I want to go. I can change it. Yeah. It's funny. The new record I really felt like is such a testament to the journey that you've been on. Like, I, I really feel like it's, it's almost like a declaration of having landed in a really beautiful place internally. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's always a, um, it's something um, we're always going to be doing, you know, um, but it is really nice to be able to come to a moment and look back and go, wow, you've really come far, uh, just in, in many ways, you know, internally and professionally and spiritually and and to just sort of say, okay, this is nice, you know, and just sort of be present and in the moment and say, I've, I've, I'm at a place where I do, I do like myself. And that's, well, I wouldn't say that many other times. <laughs> so. So I wonder if you were to try and distill the, the kind of wisdom that you've, um, found over these years and where you've wound up um imagine a 21 year old version of courtney in today's world with all of the trappings of the modern disaster that we're in the midst uh -huh. of <laughs> mm -hmm. um what advice might you give 21 year old you oh god um become an acupuncturist <laughs> <laughs> um no um I think I would say uh, have faith and patience, you know, faith and patience. And uh, it's not ever going to go the way you want it to go, but uh, there's a lot of beauty in that, you know. There's a lot of beauty in, in surrendering to outcomes that aren't planned. I'm trying to, there was a great Kurt Vonnegut quote you just reminded me of. Um, uh, unexpected, what is it? Unexpected travel plans. It's, um, 
oh, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the introduction to the to the interview. But it's um, when something goes wrong, it's like the universe giving you unexpected travel plans. It, I love that. You know, something you just said really. Um, I love the idea of the things that we think we want, right? Like the things that you think you've always been wanting and working towards. What if, what if you had gotten all of those things? You know, do you think it would have been as great as you think? Or, I mean, sometimes I wonder. I can say I, I think there are many things like in terms of musically. Um, I think I, you know, when we're when we were growing up you know, the, the path to being a musician was to get signed to a major label and put out a record, you know, that's all was always in my brain where it's like, that's how you do it. And then getting that, I think there have been so many moments where I have gotten things that I've wanted and I've looked around and just said, been like, I don't want this at all. <laughs> like, wait, back up. No. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I don't know. The unexpected stuff is, is the, the good stuff. Mm. This is so great. Well, I, I, I have enjoyed watching your career over the years and I just, it's and your spiritual journey and the way that those two intersect on your newest record, I feel like is just such a great thing. I hope everybody gets to hear it. And I just, I, I'm really grateful that you sat down for, a wheels off interview. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thanks for having me. And let um, can you answer? Is your record the instigator? Is it twenty years old? Isn't that crazy? This month, in fact, it might even be like today. I it's twenty. Swear to God, I think it's like today. I remember. I love that record so much, and I just want to tell you that that record was um, just it, it. It really had a, a major effect on me. And oh. I'm, I'm, I can't believe it's 20, but I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You know, I was trying to think of what, um, what year it was when I first met you, when Gary Loris brought me in to try and match your beautiful vocal with my ham fist. 2006. One. I remember that. That was wow. um, Minneapolis in 2006 yep. with uh, Ed Ackerson and Gary and... Yeah, I didn't end up putting that record out for many reasons, but um, uh, I will have to. Not just we'll me. Have, it wasn't. No, it wasn't it just was me. Not you, Red. <laughs> we're gonna have to do. We're gonna do over. <laughs> okay, it's a deal. Well, but this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life 
from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.